When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. I have a very odd but timely ripoff to share with you straight ahead. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So we're in the midst of a very intense election season and a lot more interest in the election from the American voter overall than normal. And that makes us susceptible to scams. A new warning from the FBI and the Better Business Bureau is one you need to know about and really, really pay attention to. Scammers are sending emails and texts to people about the election And they're looking specifically for partisans, people that are really, really into it, maybe enraged at the other side, whatever. And then there will be a link in there in the email or text that you click on it and guess what you do? You're opening up your life to a virus that will infiltrate your cell phone, your laptop, whatever, because these emails are fake. They're pretexting political emails that are from identity thieves that then load programs onto your phone or computer that either log every keystroke you do or crack into information on your phone or your laptop to then steal your identity take over your bank account, your brokerage account, whatever. So know this. There are all these different groups that are legit, what are known as dark money groups, sending out endless inflammatory emails and texts and stuff. And many of them, even though their sources of funds are secret, there's no secret that they are real political animals. They're really involved in the election. And then there are these others, these scamsters, that are pretending to be dark money influencers, but are actually just trying to steal from you. So you can't tell when you get an email or a text if it's from uh, a partisan or if it's from a crook. So just follow this rule. Don't click on any links. Because the links, that's where the trouble comes. Avoid doing that, and you'll avoid a lot of trouble. And it's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And Kim, who are we starting with? Today we're starting with Greg in Ohio. And Greg says, my wife and I would like to give a car to our daughter and her husband. 
what is the best way to do this so that they won't have to pay taxes? And how do I deal with who to put on the title? So first of all, this is a very kind, generous thing you're doing. If uh, the vehicle is worth less than $15,000 at the time you're donating it to your, uh, to your child, it's ultra, ultra easy and is a tax-free event. You're allowed to give uh, up to $15,000 in cash or in cash equivalent, like the value of a vehicle. Any one individual can give that to any other individual. You're also allowed to give as an individual up to $30,000 to a couple. So if the vehicle's worth uh, under $30,000, all that would need to happen is it's titled in both of their names and you've stayed below that threshold and there's no tax for either party, not for you, not for them. And if you don't have an estate that would likely be worth a zillion dollars, you can give a vehicle that you give them a Ferrari and it wouldn't matter because all you'd be doing is using up part of your um, estate that you could give away later, but uh, there'd be no tax in that case either unless you had zillions of dollars that would be available to you that would go to others at the time of your passing later. So it, it should not be a taxable occurrence at all. One other thing, though, in many states... There's a very large registration fee when you get a vehicle, whether you buy it, it's given to you, whatever. But when a family member gives a vehicle to a family member, in many states there's a waiver form for that transfer fee that would usually take place. So that would be something to inquire about because that could save a substantial amount of money. Joel? Clark Adam in North Carolina says, I've gotten a quote from Policy Genius for term life insurance, and in order to get the paperwork or full quote, they need my bank account information. Is it okay to provide that to them in their online portal? Yes, that's just fine to do. That's so that uh, the procedure is already in place for a policy to be paid for, and um, that is really a pretty standard kind of thing with a issuance of a life insurance policy. I want to mention that Policy Genius is a very innovative company and along with Haven Life started what is becoming a significant force in life insurance and that's instant issue of life insurance instead of you having what's typically a multi-month wait for a policy to go into effect and it's because they use uh, mathematical formulas, algorithms, where they take your health data, your medical claims and stuff over the years, and they calculate a risk-based score for you for issuing a policy versus how traditionally life insurance has worked, where you have to wait months for you to have a medical exam, wait for the results of the medical exam, wait for underwriting and all that. Um, life insurance is an industry that has been very slow to change but these uh, new interlopers, if you will, are forcing change on a really, really out-of-date industry. Kim? Harang in Georgia is interested in buying a place to live and wants to know what is the difference between a condo and a townhouse? 
So there is not, uh, those terms are not necessarily different. A townhouse can be in a condominium development, or a townhouse can be a fee-simple townhome. So if you were to buy a condo in a high-rise, mid-rise, or a townhouse, any of those type of communities, you pay an association fee, that that association fee is determined by the condo association, and it is a fee that can change over time, and the condo association is responsible for uh, what are known as common areas, and depending on the condo rules, they may be responsible for the outside of the structure and uh, roadways and things like that. A fee-simple townhome, which has become more popular in recent years, is not part of a condo association. It may have a homeowner's association, but the actual structure you live in and its immediate surroundings are your responsibility, not that of the association. So you have much lower fees in a fee-simple townhome, but you have more responsibility for what goes on with your unit financially and practically than you do in a condo association. Joel? Clark Mark in Illinois says, when I purchased a new car in 2016, I also purchased full coverage auto insurance. Since my car depreciates in value with each passing year, why doesn't my insurance rate go down as well? I, I know that at some point in the future, it will be appropriate to only have liability coverage, but for now, I have full coverage, which actually is going up every single year. Well, it may be time for you to shop for other insurers. And I'd like you to look at your premium notice and see how much of your insurance is actually for uh, the vehicle itself. It's in an accident and needs to be repaired versus how much is the liability portion. It's possible and can often be the case that the liability side of the equation of an auto insurance policy is what's driving up the premium because obviously as the vehicle gets older, it has less value. So in the event of a total out accident, the cost of the insurer is much smaller. The greatest expense, though, that insurers face with accidents is bodily injury, and that's not really uh, affected by whether the car is worth a lot or a little. But shopping around would be the most important thing for you to do. Kim? Larry in Missouri says, recently my checking account was hacked by using only my bank account number and the routing number. They purchased a $1,200 electronic from a major big box store via website. And the bank has since made me whole, but now I'm wondering if I should ever use a check again since it contains all of that information. What a wonderful question and Unfortunately, banks don't have adequate security when an account is used electronically in some way. The security is better with actual physical checks. But when somebody has the routing number, transit numbers from the bottom of your check, they can engage in all kinds of havoc. Your bank, as required by law, restored the funds to your account. But it's why I have not carried a checkbook in at least 20 years. And I avoid writing checks like the plague. 
any uh, payments I do, I do by electronic bill pay because the banking system has never adapted to create a security envelope around the writing of checks, something that came about way before the modern era, way before electronic means of payment. And so it is not a well-thought-out system in an era with so many crooks around us. Joel? Clark, uh, William says, are you better off using a travel agency or doing it yourself when it comes to trips abroad in order to save money? Uh, it depends. Not, not as much about saving money. It really depends on how much you have traveled overseas and especially to the area of the world that you're thinking of going. A very experienced traveler who is doing an independent trip will likely do just fine on their own booking the elements of that trip. On the other hand, if you have not traveled to that particular area of the world or are not a very experienced traveler, using a travel agent can make a huge difference in the enjoyment of the trip because they can help plan it in ways and with elements that you may not have ever thought about or that occurred to you. Um, if the travel agent has extensive experience in that part of the world, the trip they can plan for you will be far more enjoyable. As to whether or not the trip would be cheaper even in that case, not necessarily, but the trip likely would be far more enjoyable. And ultimately, our time is so precious to us that a trip being enjoyable is really the most important thing. Well, other than being cheap. Trudy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Trudy. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have a difficult dilemma to try to figure out. Yes. So I'm uh, leaving my current job uh, November the 7th, and I start my new job January the 1st. And I uh, was checking to see if I could get some form of intermediate insurance, COBRA, and I was told that the cost for my COBRA would be six thirty-two ninety-three minus dental and vision. So my question is, uh, do I go ahead with COBRA or do I, is there any other alternative other than COBRA in this short period? Okay, so hit me with the timeline again. You're leaving your current job end of November? Um, uh, beginning November 7th. Okay, November 7th, and then you start your new job? Uh, January 1st, but my insurance will kick in February 1st. Huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have two months before you have to elect COBRA or not. That's why I'm counting out the days. Yes. Because a lot of people will play that game where they will be notified by the employer. Usually, uh, it takes an employer as long as a month to tell you. And then once yeah. they've notified you, you've got two additional months to make a decision. So Great. what I would do is wait to see how long it takes your employer from the 7th of November uh, to notify you. If they wait, if you don't get notification till the first week of December... Mm -hmm. You actually could ride it till February 1st 
and never have to elect COBRA. If you get sick during this period, this is something that drives employers crazy when I talk about this. But if you get sick and you end up needing health coverage, you can elect your COBRA and pay it back all the way to November 7th as long as you do so within 60 days of getting that notice from the formal written notice from your what will become your former employer. Yes, so, excellent. So you would have to pay in that case November premium, December premium, January premium. So we're talking about 1900 bucks. let's say. Yes. Is the amount of money at risk, but if something, if your health got bad during that time period, 1900 is nothing compared to what you might face in medical bills. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, wait and see when you get that notice. And then you make your decision based on the date of the notice. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Clark. I and I, it. I hope you love your new job. And the best thing, just stay healthy through that whole time. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. Speaking of Clark Deals, There was so much more interest in this year's early holiday sales than anything we'd ever seen in the history of Clark deals that our visitor traffic during the Amazon Prime days, the Target sale, the Walmart sale, the Best Buy sale, all the sales that took place last week, our traffic was up hundreds of percent. So people are aware in numbers far larger than I realized that they want to get their Christmas shopping done extra early this year. Amazon, this is amazing, but in their two prime days, reportedly had combined sales of the two days of over $10 billion, $10 billion with a B. The sales were up 45% from Prime Days of last year, which was a summer event. So it was a massive shopping day. Um, A huge percent of it were marketplace items being sold by third parties that use Amazon's platform. And I don't yet have any data on how the other major retailers did with their various sales events last week. But likely, it was a big week for all of them and very, very, very important for you to hear me and believe me that you want to be done with Christmas shopping by the end of November. In fact, I saw a new published report that both FedEx and UPS are out of capacity for retailers for the later part of the Christmas season. They just don't even have it, the capacity to be able to get the packages delivered. And as we've had episodes in recent years where gifts that were supposed to be delivered to our intended recipient before Christmas came really late in recent years um, in different circumstances where carriers were really overwhelmed coming a week late, two weeks late, whatever, after Christmas, that's going to happen 
as really almost a routine thing for people who buy things for delivery, buy them online or buy them in a store where they're being delivered to a friend or family member. If you wait till December to do it, things are going to cost more and the recipient probably isn't going to get the gifts you've sent by Christmas. You can pretty much forget about it. And remember this, FedEx and UPS are no longer guaranteeing delivery, even if you pay premium delivery prices for services where they say they'll deliver by a set day and time. They don't mean it this year. Um, One other thing that you cannot believe, and that is the reviews you see, a new item just moved in Bloomberg that if you're an Amazon shopper, 42%, 42%. 42%, 42%. I mean, we're getting close to half of all reviews in a tested six-month period this year were fake, up significantly from last year. And it's because we are so influenced by reviews, we see the star levels next to an item, and it's got a really high star level. We think, oh, that item's fine. The problem is, a huge number of the reviews are fake. And FakeSpot, which monitors reviews on Amazon and Walmart.com, by the way, Walmart.com, 36% of reviews now are fake. But FakeSpot found there were a lot of items that more than 70% of the reviews for an item were fake. And it's why I've said to you, that you have to actually read reviews because you'll be able to spot patterns if you read them closely, not just read the star levels, read the reviews. You'll be able to tell which ones are just somebody being paid in a review factory. I don't know if you know there are review factories, but there are people who get paid to write fake reviews. And uh, often they're outside the United States where the labor costs are lower And they're paid for production, writing as many fake reviews as possible. So the reviews that are fake tend to have a certain pattern to the wording. And let me tell you, you can spot them. A lot of times it'll be things like where English is not the person's principal language. And it's easier to spot that the reviews are fake. Especially when items are coming from Asia, it's easier to spot the fake reviews. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And Kim, I think it's your turn. It is, but can I ask you a follow-up question? Sure. What does it mean when it says verified purchase? Is there any chance that those can be fake as well? Yes, completely. So verified purchase in no way improves the quality of the review that you see. All right. Good to know. Well, this question is from Jeremy in Georgia. And Jeremy says, my mom is about 10 years away from retirement age, but she has no retirement accounts at all. She's self-employed and she isn't disciplined enough to set aside money for herself. So I'm wondering, would it be possible for her to open a Roth that I can then contribute to the annual max for her? Or would it be smarter for me to help her reduce her current credit card debt? It's around $30,000, and she has agreed to stop using the cards, and I will help her set up some sort of auto pay system. All right. First of all, you are a great child, 
and you have a parent that you're showing enormous love for, and that's great. As I think about the two circumstances, the credit card debt carries very, very high rates. And so you helping to wipe that out is very useful if your mom will stay away from using credit cards. Uh, over a 10-year period, if you contributed the max to a Roth for her, that would be $70,000 of contribution, 7000 per year. So if you were to wipe out the 30000 in credit card debt and then continue as you can afford to contribute to a Roth, that would both uh, get you 40000 in her hands for retirement in a Roth and eliminate the credit card debt as long as she really is willing to commit to and live up to her promise not to charge the cards again. Joel? Clark Bryce in Utah says, I'm getting calls that's suspicious activity with my Social Security account and an arrest warrant for me is being processed. I've never answered any of these calls, but I'm getting them several times an hour. The numbers are all different, so I can't even block them. My number is registered for the, uh, on the Do Not Call registry, but do I need to change my phone number? I would hate for you to have to change your phone number, and hopefully the spam calls will stop at some point. But this is a terrible, terrible criminal act where somebody pretends that you were facing arrest and that your Social Security number is being misused and all that. This is a... Uh, uh, all too common scam, and if you engage with any of these people before you know it, you will have coughed up identity information or money, and so continue to ignore any of this, and let's hope that in another few days or a week or so, they'll move on and stop hassling you, because changing a phone number uh, because of how many scam calls people get and scam text, changing a phone number might not make a difference. I want to share a, a little bit different situation, but I keep getting these spam texts I don't want, and I use, uh, I use a phone where it asks me if it's a spam or not, and if it is, that I report it and it deletes it and it blocks that number moving forward. Well, guess what? The next day or day after, the same spammer sends it from a different originating number. So the problems with the spam phone calls, the spam emails, and the spam texts are something that we don't have our arms around yet. So the best thing is zero tolerance. Always ignore them. Kim? Brandy in Florida says, in February of this year, I started my own business doing landscaping. I've acquired a $1 million commercial insurance policy and I financed about $80,000 in equipment. I don't have any experience with the administrative aspects of running a company. Where do I turn to for help in order to learn about things like paying taxes, workman's cop, employees, payroll, budgeting, doing my books, all of those questions I need recommendations for? So I would start with what's known as an enrolled agent. And I don't know if that's a term you've ever heard me talk about. And I'm glad your business is doing so well. But an enrolled agent is someone who is specially trained and 
uh, enrolled with the IRS for tax issues, and they are they are a great place to go. And there's a National Association of Enrolled Agents, and I assume you can find a list of people that would be near you. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now near me. So go to naea.org and see what that would cost for you to hire an enrolled agent near you. And if the enrolled agent feels that they are not the right kind of person for you, they may know uh, a bookkeeper who does bookkeeping for small businesses that they might recommend instead. Joel? Clark Tim in Washington says, I plan to sell my home within the next five years and retire to a different state. The home has doubled in value since I purchased it about 10 years ago, but several of the double-pane 15-year-old windows are starting to haze. Otherwise, they work just fine. So should I have the glass replaced? And in more general terms, what should I consider fixing before selling my home? So the windows, unless they are becoming a big issue for you for discomfort, if you were to do anything to them, if it became a deal dissatisfier, you would do it five years or so from now when you decide to move on from the home. Um, as far as what things are the kind of things you need to do when you sell your home, um, there are standard things around the country, and then there are those that local real estate agents will tell you are more important where they are. But generally, it's how your house looks from the curb that matters first more than anything else because if your house is unappealing when somebody drives up to it you'd be amazed how many people are coming to look at a home that never even come inside to look because of how it looks from the street so having the landscaping looking good if the house needs painting um, if things are obviously broken and they're visible those need to be taken care of. Uh, painting, cleaning inside, getting clutter out of closets. Uh, those are the kind of things that really, really matter when somebody's coming to look at a house. Karen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Karen, you were all ready to buy a house. And then you said, wait a minute. Hi, Clark. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so my husband actually first wrote you and he's here with me but he's making me be the spokesperson because he got shy <laughs> well let me tell him hello what's your husband's name his name is juan hi clark hey how's it going i'm doing well how are you good so see i made him talk karen so now you can go <laughs> <You> ahead <did. laughs> thank you um so yeah so we were looking to buy we live in washington dc we had been looking into buying a house, but now with the pandemic and, you know, potentially being able to work remotely, we're exploring possibly moving back down south where we're from. We just don't know. So we have money that we had set aside for a down payment, and we were kind of feeling pressured to buy something while interest rates were low. But now that we've heard that they'll probably stay low until maybe 2023, at least 2022, we're kind of thinking maybe we shouldn't feel the pressure to buy and we should just... Oh, keep, wait, wait, wait. You know, Forget on. interest rates. Okay, okay. You, you are not a good candidate to buy a home right now because you don't know how long you're going to stay in D.C. <laughs> there is that, yes. And so that, that is, I mean, that makes your decision for you because 
especially right now with home prices having inflated like they have, you don't want to buy a home that you're going to be in um, less than seven years, absolute minimum. So with you not knowing whether you're a short-termer or not, it would be a really uh, bad decision to buy a home at this time. If you change your mind and you say, you know, we thought we were going to leave D.C. and go live somewhere down south, but we're going to stay in D.C. now, then go ahead and buy a house. And, and we don't know how long interest rates will stay low, but the indicators you gave seem pretty accurate. You know, the next uh, two, two and a half years, rates are likely to stay depressed on mortgages. That's that. I mean, if you were looking at odds, the odds are with you, but the odds are really against you buying a house till you know where you really want to live. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that it, the interest rate staying down kind of takes the pressure off a little bit because I think we sort of had this scarcity mindset of like, well, we better figure it out and we better do something about this now. So now we're breathing a little bit. So thank you. That's helpful. That's sure. helpful feedback to sort of reinforce the direction we were kind of headed in. But that now also leaves us then with the money we set aside for the down payment. What can we do? I mean, obviously, save, we're, we're in online savings banks, so we are doing that thanks to your advice. And But as you know, we're getting like 0.8% now, and it's a pretty and good And you were getting 2.0, and now you're at 0.8. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you got to so, suck it up and live with it. Uh, because we're, we're, all, we're all in this same situation that if you are a, a good saver, and you're doing all the things where you build money for retirement, you do all that stuff, but then you also have your rainy day money, or in this case, deposit for a home that you don't know when you're going to buy it. You can't invest that money, so you just have to let it park. Know that you're not going to lose any money, but you're basically going to make nothing on it. We're all, those of us that are savers, we're all stuck in that same situation and don't be tempted by things that have anything to them where you could lose some money because the whole purpose of this money is to pay down payment. Just as with rainy day, the whole purpose is to preserve the money for when rain happens in your financial life. So 0.8 is better than nothing, and it's better than losing any of your principal that you've worked hard to save. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.